Previously on Transformers University, we dug deep into the history of Transformers in publishing, mainly in coloring books but also in some very well illustrated storybooks, the majority of which coming from Marvel books. That started in 1984 and continued in 1985 in a big way. And now we take on Transformers books in 1985 a second time on Transformers University. Hello my friend and welcome to Transformers University. I am your host Anthony Bricalli and this is episode 25. This time around we are going to talk more about Transformers books from 1985 and this one is going to be a fun one. Now when I launched this podcast I made it clear that part of what I want to talk about in this show are the things that we really find we love about this franchise and about the characters and just the silly wacky stuff that doesn't always get talked about uh, in the shadow of some of the bigger things over the years. This episode is certainly one of them. Uh, I am so excited to record this episode that I'm not even going to go into my usual speech about Patreon and YouTube. You know how to find them. Patreon.com slash TFUinfo, YouTube.com slash TFUinfo. Join, subscribe, that's all I'm saying for the beginning of this show. We are jumping right into it because we have seven books to cover this episode. And we're going to start with a big looker book from 1985 called Insecticon's Attack. Now this uh, book was written by Dana Rosenfeld and art by John Spears. I can't really find much information on either one, so we're just going to say they did something at some point in their life. Now if you want to follow along... There is a website called Insecticons.com that has the full scan of this book. And it is uh, very beautifully illustrated by John Spears. Uh, painted artwork, uh, some mismatched character designs, uh, which we'll get into. Uh, and uh, let's just talk about what's here. So this book starts out with Optimus, Bumblebee, Hound, and Beachcomber just chilling. And... Uh, Beachcombers getting pretty nervous. Uh, you could say our resident hippie is a little bit paranoid and he needs to be alone at his, and I'm putting this in quotes, his secret place. We cut to Megatron who uh, talks about wanting power, both literal and figurative, before heading back to Beachcomber who uh, is at his secret place and finds Grapple there. Uh, and it's neat to note that uh, Beachcomber's design here, uh, there's some interesting character design things here for both of them. Beachcomber's design has the mesh forearms from his toy, and Grapple's body design is actually Hook, the Constructicon, but painted in yellow with Grapple's head. It's it's very bizarre, bizarre look for Grapple, but he's hanging out there at the pond, dreaming of Cybertron. Uh, there's a pair of insects at the pond who happen to be kicked back in Bombshell, and Grapple gets infected with one of Bombshell's Cerebro shells. Uh, they take him back to Decepticon headquarters. Megatron plans on using the Autobot architect to uh, attack the Autobots, and uh, the Autobots plan to rescue Grapple. They go and they attack the Decepticon base, 
Windcharger uses his uh, magnetic abilities to free grapple of the Cerebro shell and then ultimately grapple defeats Megatron for the Autobots by pretending he is still under Megatron's control before turning around and blasting him. That's the, uh, the rough of that story. And once again, uh, swing on by to Insecticons.com. They have some sweet, sweet scans of this book. And uh, the art's really pretty, at the very least. Uh, uh, it's not really quite up there to par with the rest of the Big Looker books, especially the ones from 84 that we talked about uh, previously. And that is actually the only Big Looker book that I know about for 1985. So we are going to talk a little bit about some of these hardcover books. Now, uh, the hardcover storybooks you can check out on Steve Stonebreaker's site, and that is camphortree.net, that's C-A-M-P-H-O-R, T-R-E-E dot net. And the first one is called Battle for Earth. And now Battle for Earth is written by Max Z. Baum. Uh, can't find much on him. I kind of think it's a ghostwriter name. But uh, there is nothing uh, I can find that isn't this book by Max Z. Baum. Uh, and the art is by Brad Joyce, who was an inker on the Transformers comic. And Roberta Edelman as well did some art. And she was an inker most notably on the Care Bears comics from Marvel at Star Comics. Now, generally the story retells the origin of the Autobots and Decepticons coming to Earth. Uh, and, you know, so it's the basic story. There was a, a battle in space, Optimus cleared an asteroid field, the Decepticons invaded, and the Autobots crashed the Ark into a volcano on Earth four million years ago. Now, during the rebuild scene inside the Ark, uh, Prime's claw module is actually the one from Combat Deck, uh, doing the repairs uh, throughout uh, the arc. Uh, then one of the weird things in this book is as the characters awaken, uh, characters such as Soundwave and Ravage and then later Jazz, um, they speak in their text spec quotes. So Soundwave actually says, cries and screams are music to my ears. And uh, <laughs> it's just really weird to see those try to be forced into context. On the other hand, since they are tech spec quotes, that means that technically they're quoted from this book. Uh, from there, we have um, Buster and Sparkplug hanging out at their uh, kitchen table. Buster is reading the newspaper about this company called Global Construction that is building a stadium in the city of Beacon, Oregon. So uh, Beacon is arguably the closest city to the Ark. Uh, that's possibly the first mention of a specific city near the Ark uh, through 84 and 85. Uh, I have not pulled it up on a map, but I think next time I map wherever the Autobots think they're going to drive to in the cartoon, I'm going to use Beacon, Oregon as the starting point. So Global Construction is building uh, the Freedom Sports Arena. And uh, Global turns out to be a Decepticon front. The plan is to uh, for Megatron to sync all of the buildings built by Global uh, with a single button. And uh, syncing those buildings will trap 5 million people inside and force the leaders of Earth to surrender or perish the lives of 5 million people. Quite the plan. Now the Autobots once again invade Decepticon headquarters. Megatron this time though lets them in. Uh, Prowl figures out the plan of global construction and Megatron uh, 
pushes what he calls the destructor button, forcing all the buildings to sink into the ground. Uh, another interesting thing to note in this story, all the art features 84 characters, characters from 1984, uh, either Toy 84 or Cartoon 84, as we will see uh, Constructicons and Dinobots later on. But the text mentions characters from the 85 line that are not shown in the art. One of which is Roadbuster, uh, the deluxe Autobot who didn't appear in the show and didn't appear in the comic for copyright reasons, uh, as I've chronicled before. Uh, he actually begins the assault on Decepticon headquarters the second time around, uh, where they run into the Constructicons, and they combine into Devastator. The Dinobots arrive to save the day. Um, there's some weird things with the text here about the Constructicons and how they combine, uh, who becomes what, but in the end, Grapple fuses Longhaul and Bonecrusher together as their Devastator parts, which is odd because Longhaul is the lower midsection and Bonecrusher is an arm, so to fuse those guys together without Hook somehow being in between, holding them all together, is also bizarre. Um, also, by the end of the story, some things get a little bit mixed up. Um, the Destructor button eventually starts getting called the Devastator button um, before the Autobots save the day and free the 5 million people. The other hardcover book we will be talking about today is called The Autobots' Secret Weapon. It is by Nancy Krulik, who's a longtime children's author. Uh, still a children's author today. She is the creator of Katie Kazoo, Switcheroo, and uh, art by Charles Nicholas and Roberta Edelman. Now, the cover of this book has uh, a very odd uh, image on it. Bombshell and Hook, the Constructicon, fleeing Devastator, the combined Constructicons. Not even that two Decepticons are fleeing from Devastator, but one of the Decepticons that make up Devastator in particular, the one that makes up his shoulders and head, is running away from Devastator, who has shoulders and a head. But... That's just a cover. Let's go inside. So it uh, starts with Sunstreaker watching his reflection in a river. They note about how vain Sunstreaker is. He likes to watch his own transformation, and he is currently waxing himself. While Sunstreaker is busy waxing on, uh, Devastator sneaks up on him. Yes, a robot made of six full-sized construction vehicles <laughs> sneaks up on him and Sunstreaker tries to take on Devastator one-on-one. -on -one. Sunstreaker gets captured and the Decepticons are ruthless and this one they shoot Sunstreaker while he's behind bars in the jail cell. They use him as a trap to lure the Autobots to Decepticon base. Uh, the raiding party for the Autobots is Sunstreaker's brother Sideswipe, Slag, and Sludge the Dinobots. Uh, as they attack the base, the Autobots are attacked by two Decepticon guards who look a lot like Soundwave. In fact, they are certainly Soundwave's uh, body model, just in a weird shade of white. Uh, the Autobots lose versus Devastator, and they are put in the cell with Sunstreaker. So the Autobots had a plan B, and the plan B was to build a statue 
of Devastator. Let me know if you see where this is going. With a letter of surrender for the Decepticons. Uh, the Decepticons. The Decepticons accept the statue. And while reading the letter, find out that it was a Trojan horse. The Autobots are inside the giant Devastator statue. And they attack fighter planes of Autobots. Also attack both of which are Jetfire body models colored in red. Uh, Rumble is there, the red one. And uh, Megatron tries to shoot Optimus Prime, but Optimus wins by holding up a shiny metal plate to deflect the laser back at Megatron. And the Autobots win for the day. Gotta say, this is a very bizarre book. Um, there's just so much weird in here. Uh, another one very much worth taking a look at online. And if you like weird, oh boy, things are going to get a whole lot weirder in the next four books we are about to cover for the rest of the show. We are going to talk about kid stuff recordings. Um, these are audio accompanied books uh, for the most part where you would receive a tape or 45 uh, speed 45 RPM vinyl record and you would look along as the book was read and performed by a number of actors and you would be told when to turn the page with this sound. Hi everybody, this is your Transformers read-along book. Every time you hear this sound, it means it's time to turn the page in your storybook. Now the man behind Kid Stuff Recordings was a man by the name of John Braden. Now, John Braden uh, was a folk singer, had one album out on A&M Records in 1969 that sounded a little bit like this. The wild birds have got their melodies The waves have got the sea The bugs have got in the sugar bit And all have got now the art for these were done by a father-daughter team of Pablo and Judith Marcos, um, both of which longtime comic book artists. Uh, you can still check out their work today. Pablo, I believe, is in his 80s at the moment. Now the first two books we're going to talk about, Satellite of Doom and When Continents Collide, were also available on video. So the video for these featured the art from the book being videotaped with a video camera, someone moving the camera around, uh, some very simplistic uh, chroma keyed special effects, and some artwork that wasn't actually in the book. Um, nothing so much as artwork that wasn't in the book as much as was shades of other artwork used to help illustrate a point um, artwork that you could probably find elsewhere uh, and also this artwork for the book is a very odd blend of packaging art redrawn in various uh, settings now if you want to watch along you want to listen along you want to experience these for yourself and oh my god do I recommend that uh, the video versions for Satellite of Doom and When Continents Collide are available on YouTube. Just search either one. Put the word Transformers in there as well. 
you will find the video versions. Uh, the audio version and the print version of the book, again, available at Steve Stonebreaker's site, camphortree.net, C-A-M-P-H-O-R-T-R-E-E.net. And you'll be able to look and listen along in MP3 format. And uh, big shout out to Steve Stonebreaker. He is one of our students in the Patreon. So uh, my thanks always to Steve. And uh, don't forget, if you want to join the Patreon, you would have heard this show at least 24 hours ahead of everyone else. Swing on by to patreon.com slash tfuinfo. Patreon.com slash tfuinfo. Okay, so let's let's get into it. These books are um, amazing. Now, I don't know who the voice cast is. Uh, it's rumored that the narrator is Casey Kasem. I've heard rumors of that. I don't think it is. Um, I think the narrator might be John Braden himself. The actor who played Megatron in this story, uh, first off, he loves rolling his R's. Uh, and second off, he might be the late Earl Hammond, also better known as Mumra from the original Thundercat series. Uh, the voice certainly sounds similar. In fact, let's do a little side-by-side. -side. First, Mumra. Ancient spirits of evil transform this decayed form to Mumra, the and now, Kid Stuff Megatron. Where's that pathetic carbon-based slime who helped us steal the transporter and who has now agreed to aid us in siphoning off tons of this Prudhoe-Bay crude? In fact, he might be voicing one of the Autobots as well. Now, throughout these books, there are only four characters that are actually voiced, and those are uh, Megatron and Optimus, Prowl, and Soundwave. Uh, the more I listen to these, the more I think there were two actors, uh, one playing Megatron and Prowl, the other playing Soundwave and Optimus, but I could be wrong there as well. However, there are a number of characters also seen repeatedly, but never given uh, speaking lines. Lastly, these books are fantastic on geography. Uh, we will go all over the world, and they are full of nonsensical science uh science that just doesn't work no matter how hard you try um so there are a lot of kids who grew up thinking some things <laughs> if they believed these uh that were absolutely not possible but i gotta give them credit because they really sell it hard so megatron is in the kalahari desert in africa uh he has enslaved a bunch of humans forcing them to dig a chamber for him and Soundwave underground. They are packing the chamber with coal and explosive called lectinite. A human escapes and is seen by Skyfire. Prowl and Optimus back at Autobot headquarters use a computer to read the human's thoughts. They find out about the uh, explosion that is planned by Megatron by exploding the lectinite. He is looking to make the largest explosion on Earth and <laughs> and create the world's largest diamond. And that is what Megatron does, and not without getting a little bit of blood on his hands in the process. At least we no longer have to listen to the violence. 
wild curses and screamings the most pathetic slaves. He announced to Soundwave. No, Master. They certainly weren't happy about being left sealed up with all that coal. Say what you want about G1 Megatron in his many incarnations. The one in these stories is utterly ruthless. Soundwave, however, is very much weather sensitive. He does not like the heat. He does not like the humidity. And this is something we see throughout these stories. Now, Megatron plans to mount this diamond to a satellite. Launch the satellite into space, then focus the satellite to basically be like a magnifying glass on ants but instead of burning ants he is going to melt the rocky mountains yes he is going to melt the rocky mountains into oil uh bumblebee is spying on the plan as the satellite launches and skyfire is sent to shoot the satellite rocket out of the sky with his null rays um that's a new weapon for Skyfire. Those are exclusive to Starscream, usually. Uh, but he fails. The launch is successful. And uh, Megatron aims the beam and actually begins to start melting the Rocky Mountains. An ocean of oil is destroying the western half of the United States, and it is creeping to the coasts. Uh, in here, we get uh, Jetfire being upgraded for a suicide mission by Ratchet and this is one of those places where the art differs in the video versus the art in the book. You do not see anything from Ratchet in the book. Uh, in the video you do see a bit of what would be Ratchet's hand uh, as Jetfire is being upgraded. So Jetfire is sent up to destroy the space diamond and fails and I did say it was a suicide mission. Jetfire dies and Megatron is certainly very much happy with this result. Megatron slapped Soundwave across the back so hard in a fit of glee that he almost popped Soundwave's cassette right out of his chest. Did I mention kid stuff Megatron is also very verbally abusive to Soundwave? I probably didn't, but we're going to check that out throughout these stories. Now, uh, the suicide mission failed, but Optimus has another plan, and this one, like the hardcover book we just read, involves a giant piece of shiny metal so optimus and sunstreaker fly a shiny piece of metal uh, a shiny sheet of metal into space uh, note here that the artwork really really similar to what we would see on the back of the boxes from 84 and 85 in fact i think they just traced around it and put the metal sheet in between them uh, and repositioned them a little bit uh, and they used the reflection of the crystal to destroy the crystal itself which leaves one to wonder why did they send up Jetfire to die to begin with you know and in destroying the crystal there was the aftermath left on earth the ocean levels on earth have all risen 10 feet um, I don't think the author realizes how drastic that would be and uh, the Autobots invade the Decepticon base Megatron and Soundwave escape underground in a drill tank and that wraps up satellite of doom and that brings us to when continents collide now uh this book features all the same folks same actors same writer same producers same everything so uh 
it is just as nuts. In fact, it also features almost all of the same characters. In this one, uh, there is a hovercraft oil transporter with Megatron and Soundwave inside uh, over Alaska. And this thing looks like a old cordless phone uh, with just legs on the corners of it. Um, it's a very bizarre looking hovercraft spaceship thing. Uh, there is a human, a quote-unquote earthling, who helps the Decepticons steal oil, who the Decepticons decided to bribe him with a new Jeep. That is a low price for selling out your entire planet. Now, uh, that Jeep happens to be the Autobot Hound. Megatron, very happy with his acquisition of some fresh oil. My warriors need every drop of that lovely black juice to bathe their gears and fuel their engines. Total domination of the universe cannot wait on Yes, mighty Megatron. And again, before leaving, Megatron makes sure there are no witnesses. He shoots the human he bribed. Uh, again, something you rarely ever see. Uh, a Transformer actually shooting and killing a human, especially in the kids' stuff. Man, these books are called kids' stuff. you think they would not have so many people dying in them. Uh, of course, Prowl and Optimus, they're monitoring the situation. Uh, and they send Skyfire, yes, Skyfire, who died on the suicide mission last issue, uh, to attack the oil transporter. Uh, he doesn't have that much fuel. Uh, he swings in for a second attack, and the Decepticons abandon ship, and they escape to an ice cave where they have another underwater oil transporter. Now, this underwater oil transporter was also being converted by the Decepticons into a drill, and they were going to drill into the Prudhoe Bay oil reservoir under the ocean. Uh, their plan that they enacted uh, was to <laughs> drain the bay, uh, the reservoir, I should say, of oil. And they do so, so much so, that the reservoir starts to collapse unto itself, causing continental plates to shift. But like I said, the science here really doesn't actually work. But uh, the collapsing oil reservoir caused the continental plates to shift, causing... Uh, earthquakes and floods and Russia and the West and I'm using that in quotes that's the exact line uh, Russia and the West to blame one another uh, so it's the first reference we've had in a long time uh, to the Cold War and uh, just interesting seeing that put in there uh, it's up to Optimus and Prowl to have a plan and their plan is to pump the reservoir full of liquefied raison gas which has a lower density than the oil which would then force the oil back out of the ship and into the reservoir stopping the drilling and forcing the Decepticons to the surface where they would face the Autobots' most important weapon. 
our missile! And the Decepticons, helpless to do anything but surface, and Megatron, helpless to do anything but verbally abuse Soundwave. You blundering, cake-filled idiots! So from there, a Autobot boarding party is sent to the transporter, and this is another one of those instances where there's a little bit of extra art on the uh, video version versus the print version. Uh, and there is uh, Sideswipe and Red Alert are the extra art trying to board the ship. Uh, the hatchway for the ship is booby-trapped. The Decepticons escape. And Megatron leaves a message on the computer for Optimus and the Autobots to find. He had left his message across the screen of an idling computer monitor whose voice readout kept repeating... A Decepticon universe is at hand. A Decepticon universe is at hand. That brings us to the next kids stuff book in the series, Storms of Destruction. This one has Prime and Prowl visiting the island of Sumatra uh, looking for Starbucks. And uh, Megatron and Soundwave have a drill tank, uh, which we had seen before in the first book in Satellite of Doom, and uh, it doesn't take long for Megatron to uh, take a shot at his partner. We are fully prepared now to go forward with the master plan. We? What have you learned, you cassette stuff wimp? You know only what I tell you. And the Decepticons are in Brazil in the rainforest. Uh, Soundwave is still affected by the humidity. And uh, the Decepticons return to the satellite launch complex from Satellite of Doom. There, Soundwave is shot by a, quote, Indian with a blowgun. Uh, Megatron reveals his plan to pump salt water under the sea floor to raise oil from under the surface of the rainforest. Uh, in doing this, uh, he is also drilling for the oil, which causes Machu Picchu to sink into the ocean and the Andes Mountains to become a salt lake. Uh, again, the art seems to be modified a little bit from uh, box art. Uh, at one point, we do see Sunstreaker and Hound in vehicle mode and two other Autobots, possibly Jazz, uh, flying, which really does look, like once again, a lot like the artwork from the back of the box. And all of them attack the Decepticons in their... Uh, in the midst of their mission. Prowl, listening in, totally wearing headphones in uh, in this scene. Uh, and the mole machine is working. Megatron floods the rainforest with oil. And the Decepts uh, get into a, a new vehicle called the Decepticon Defoliator Craft, which is totally the hovercraft from the last book uh, with a new name for no reason. The... Drilling causes uh, weather disturbances around the world. Jetfire, still alive, uh, flies over. As he's flying over, Soundwave intercepts a garbled communication, and he thinks that the Autobot headquarters is sinking into the ocean as part of some of these weather catastrophes from around the world. Turns out Soundwave's headphone cable was loose, and uh, he missed the Autobot's command to attack the Decepticon headquarters, the Autobots attack, the Decepticons flee, and if there's anything to be learned here, it's always make sure your cables are plugged all the way in. 
Finally, that takes us to the only one of these books that isn't a book. Uh, this is called Attack of the Decepticons, and this was an audio-only adventure. It was available on vinyl or cassette. There were no, um, there was no book involved, but it was a John Braden production, and uh, we see the same voice cast uh, along with one new character for a little bit, and a new theme song that is nearly two minutes long. story begins over the Arabian Peninsula. We get a report from Thundercracker, the newly voiced character, where the Decepticons destroy, quote, an oil storage dump for for all the need for them to get oil from the earth. Why would they destroy a place that is specifically storing the thing they need? Uh, and all of the planes have null rays in this one. Uh, Megatron and Soundwave are back at base observing. Uh, the Autobots counterattack in the desert. And while they're doing that, uh, Megatron and Soundwave uh, overtake an oil tanker off the coast of Africa. Prime and Prowl are, of course, observing, and they have a very long conversation on the nature of morality. Prime even takes some time to name drop Gandhi and Thomas Jefferson. Prowl cooks up a plan where he plans to give Megatron acid-laced oil. Just then we find out the Decepticons are planning to raid a new super tanker called the Colossus in Oman. Um, the Colossus is enormous. Uh, it is larger than most airports and needs two nuclear-powered reactors to power it. The Autobots spike it with their laced oil and the Decepticons fall hard for the plan. The Autobots wait to attack, and Prime is kind of uh, murdery in uh, in this one, waiting to give uh, Megatron the acid-laced oil. The Decepticons raiding uh, submersible is now beginning to malfunction because of the laced oil. 
and Megatron not too happy. What's going on? If something's gone wrong to jeopardize this load of food, I'll see to it that you're nothing but scrap metal, Southwave. Patience, Master. Please, I'm checking everything. I have no patience with moronic, outdated machines such as you. The Decepticons begin to flee, and a bunch of unidentified Autobots uh, raise the Colossus out of the water, and uh, we don't know uh, who those Autobots are because they're voiced but not identified. Meanwhile, Megatron, still not happy, uh, needs to take some of his frustrations out on Soundwave. Try the Vulcan force fields, you cassette stuff in box! During the escape, Megatron shoots four Autobots, uh, and they flee. The Autobots destroy the poisoned oil, and Megatron leaves with parting words for Optimus Prime. Uh, check Optimus Prime, but never checkmate! This is but one battle, and we will fight on many more fronts until I crush you and your kind! You know, for all the flaws in these stories, and um, yes, there's a lot... Um, this Megatron is badass. <laughs> I like him. Uh, the Autobots fly the tanker to New York City, and Prime instructs Prowl to wipe people's memories of what happened. How he's going to do that, I have no idea. We then cut to Mexico on an oil drilling uh, platform where the team breaks its bit. Uh, turns out the bit had been seared off by the Decepticon underground fortress Gamma. And though ominous, that's how the story ends. But not without two more minutes of the theme song. But I won't subject you to that one more time. I'm going to wrap things up here for this episode of Transformers University. Once again, I'm your host, Anthony Bricali. And real quick, uh, we've got a contest going on the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash tfuinfo youtube.com slash tfuinfo all you have to do is comment on the video for your chance to win a toys r us exclusive the final toys r us exclusive and you don't have a toys r us to go to anymore unless you live in canada um studio series thundercracker uh we will give away the thundercracker once the channel reaches 1000 subscribers we're about 735-ish right now. So uh, be sure to subscribe as well because that will be the easiest way to find out if you win. So swing on by, check out the contest video, leave a comment, and make sure you subscribe. All real easy now. As always, hope you like the show. Please subscribe. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash tfuinfo. And, of course, catch us on social media, Instagram, Facebook. Username is tfuinfo. Twitter, TFU underscore info. And of course, on the web, www.tfu.info. I just updated the toy archive into our new look all the way through 1995. And I am currently working on 1996 as well, along with many other things. Next time on Transformers University, we're going to play with some toys once again talk about the worldwide phenomenon that was the Transformers in 1985. Now, it was a huge success in the United States, but it was a huge success in Japan and Europe, and we will go overseas to see what came out there, what didn't come out there, and the 
differences between the toy lines, the US, the Japanese line, the Europeans, and what they got in various countries around Europe. Until then, I'm your host, Anthony Bercali. See you.